0: Tonight we're going to be speaking about the time period prior to the High Holy Days, which is uh, a time called Selichot. Is anyone not familiar with that word, Slichot?
1: I'm not familiar with
0: it. This probably won't be very relevant to you, then you'd be more than welcome just to at home. <laughs> <laughs> That's it? Forgiven. That's right. For, forget, it's actually the idea of you know, penitentiary type. Prayers, but the idea of self reflection um, in preparation to, to be part of the High Holy Days, uh, Rosh Hashanah, and particularly uh, Yom Kippur. So, as, as was uh, mentioned by Avraham here, the idea that it's so from the word salah, meaning to forgive, literally uh, forgiveness. But again, as you see in your notes, the idea that this is the series of, of traditional prayers, if you were to look at a traditional uh, Sidur. Does anyone not know what a Sidur is? Yeah. I raised my hand twice. You can raise it twice. That's why you know somebody that doesn't know what Sidur is. Because uh, Sidur comes from the Hebrew word Seder. Ever heard of a Seder? Passover Seder? Remember what Seder, what the idea of Seder is? It's the idea of order, right? Order. So uh, uh, Sidur is a prayer book, kind of the order of prayers. So that's why we call it Sidur. Um, but in the siddur, if you were to pick up a, a, an extensive siddur, there's a whole section I did today of slichot, the actual prayers, and there are prayers for all of the specific days and the specific times uh, leading up. So, because uh, in Judaism, you know, this, the idea of free-form prayer is, is, is not a typical thing, which is ironic because we, I think when you read in the Bible, you see so many, what I would say, are spontaneous you know, prayers. You know, you read Nehemiah, even when you read read Paul, which people argue he was Jewish, but the idea that there are so many prayers that are just spontaneous, Song of Moses, Song of Miriam, these kind of things, yet in terms of tradition, there are set prayers. And there's, you know, there's a prayer for eating, there's a prayer for after you eat, there's a prayer for going to the bathroom, there's a prayer for exiting the bathroom, all these kind of things. And and we might laugh or scoff at that, but the reality is is that you read some of these prayers and they're, they're phenomenal prayers. So the idea of set or, or traditional prayers is not something that we should shy away from or be, uh, be hesitant about. But that's what Haim's going to speak about as he comes forward. So I was like, to, I had to jump in and tell some jokes here real quick. But um, So that's, the, that, that's a little, I gave just a little introduction to the word slichot, the traditional okay. prayers, okay. and the idea of tradition and how they come from the siddur and so forth. So probably only got through the first two slash marks there in your notes. Thank you, Reza. There you
2: go. Appreciate it. Yeah. He does a lot more than just pinch hitting. Uh, uh, by the way, uh, we have a uh, major role, Hashem, tonight, and I'm going to embarrass him because I've lived long enough uh, to do that. Uh, Abraham has a new set of uh, what do you call them? Choppers. 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 Thank you. Yeah, he looks like a new man. All right. Thank you. Having said that, uh, Mr. Yochanan from. Okay, Um, to follow along with what Rabbi David was saying, um, if you come from a church background, then you're used to uh, Christian tradition, and you may be listening to us talking about Jewish tradition. So I want to talk for, for just a minute uh, again, Oh, I thought maybe this is some advanced technology here. So um, tradition um, tradition, can, it, tradition is neutral. Okay? It can either be positive or it can be negative. Uh, if you remember Yeshua talking to the Pharisees and saying, your tradition invalidate the word of God. In other words, because you are so uh, convinced about the value and the necessity of your tradition, because of that, you put that over uh, against, against uh, scripture. Uh, and by the way, uh, I don't know if, if Rabbi David mentioned it, but um, according to rabbinic tradition, if you have a dispute between uh, rabbinic tradition, i.e. the oral law, halakha, and, and the written Torah, then what what wins is the authority of rabbinic tradition. Now, in case you, you find that outraging, out... If, thank you. Outrageous. Um, just realize the fact that in the church, You've had very similar similar trends. There are lots and lots of things uh, that are done in the church that are not scriptural um, and are traditional, and everybody takes it as this is what we do because we've always done it. Um, so the issue for us is not is something traditional, but rather is it positive or is it negative? Is it something that is consistent with the Word of God? Or is it something that is contrary to the word of God? So, for example, to to, to give you an example, um, when it comes to uh, Jewish tradition regarding uh, memorial services and and gravesite service, I know this is wonderful. I'm thinking about this because I got the call from the... the, uh, the cemetery encouraging me to buy plots for me and enjoy <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of my sick mind is it, deal? Huh? Yes, it is a package deal yeah hurry 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 um, so um, uh, there, there are things about Jewish tradition that I find absolutely wonderful um, it speaks about the resurrection uh, it speaks about God's sovereign justice, um, which is huge, because when you lose someone and it was hard circumstances, you can get bitter. Mm-hmm. And and one of the traditional prayers is Adonai Natan. This is Job's Job's uh, prayer. The Lord's, and and it it kind of it kind of uh, releases uh, all kinds of yuck because you say, okay, I don't understand it, but it's God. Positively. On the other hand, there are some prayers that are, that definitely do not fit with scripture. One of those is a prayer called El Madera the God of all mercy, that basically is someone akin to the Catholic notion of purgatory. Uh, it basically uh, says to God, God, would you bring so and so into the bosom of Abraham? In other words, we have no clue where he or she is at this point. Uh, they're somewhere, but would you bring them into the bosom of Abraham? So that's problematic. Uh, and, and that kind of fits into uh, aspects of Jewish tradition that say that when someone dies, you recite the Kaddish for a year uh, with expectation that over that uh, period of year, that they they would come into the bosom of Abraham, so to speak, into Gan Eden. So obviously we can't accept that because uh, for us Scripture is very clear that when you die, you have already experienced God's judgment, one way or the other. That either either he has he has given you his stamp of kashrut and and you go to be with him, or you don't, and so. Um, so that's why, you know, we. Uh, we huh? The tradition has plus and minus. So um, it's something for us to, to be aware of uh, and, and just to make sure that the traditions that we do observe bring honor and glory to God. And when we believe that what we have. A, a, digested and and sifted over a number of years uh, does that uh, there's some absolutely beautiful, wonderful uh, uh, God inspiring uh, God honoring prayers so alright, slichot um, forgivenesses remember that OT is the feminine plural in Hebrew yes, remember that you don't remember Uh, so we don't say Shabbats but we say Shabbatot alright now I've said that we can move on Um, so the notion of Slichot is based on a couple of things one is um, that we need to repent um and that we need to receive God's forgiveness. Um, And and, and this is uh, a very positive aspect of of traditional Jewish teaching that says that a person has to to repent a day before they die. And since no one knows when they're going to die, you have to repent every single day. Amen. Um, <laughs> really can't argue with that. Um, <laughs> y- y- scripture is full of exhortation, encouragement for us to to repent. And unfortunately, by the way, I'm I'm mounting a soapbox here for a minute. Unfortunately, that is not something that is often emphasized in a feel-good culture. In other words, God is your buddy; He wants to bless you. Um, here are the 10 easy ways to, to follow him and to get the blessing and so on. And so the notion that God is a holy God and that we by nature are are not um, means that every single day and twice on Sunday we do stuff that grieves the heart of God. And so for us, repentance uh, is not something that we do once a year, but there are special times when we bring it up to the, to the surface to, to emphasize it to be an encouragement for us to repent the rest of the year. Uh, why, why repent during the season? Well, for a couple of reasons. Uh, you may know, and this is of course the, what the negative aspect of the tradition for us, is that um, the month of Elul uh, which is this year from September 4th till August uh, 2nd. Uh, 20, October 2nd. 20. Huh? 2nd. yeah the um, Mashamati. It is the time of preparation for the High Holy Days. Now, why, why prepare? Again, according to tradition, um, positive, negative. Uh, According to tradition, you want to prepare for God's special um, special events, the Mo'adim, the, the special festivals. Something very, very scriptural. Uh, you have all kinds of examples in the Word of God where the Lord says to Israel over and over and over again, I'm going to do something special but I want you to prepare. Mm-hmm. So for instance, um, The giving of the Torah, before God gave the Torah, He said to Israel, prepare, wash yourself, put on clean clothes, and be prepared for the fact that I'm coming. In other words, this is not just something you're going to do and say, oh, I'm all right, uh, what have you done for me lately? Uh, But you prepare. And Yeshua does the same thing. Before the coming of the Spirit, what did Yeshua say to His disciples? Mm-hmm. Can't hear you, hermana. Okay. Somebody?
1: To wait. To wait. Oh, right. to, have room to, wait.
2: For to wait. To wait. To wait. Uh, for 10 days. And waiting, waiting for uh, the coming of the Spirit, meaning that they needed to be prepared. And God does that with us. So, this is a positive thing. Okay? Positive aspect of tradition. Um, and we do that not just with we as a congregation do that not just um, for the high holidays we also do that for the spring holidays Uh, if you haven't been here with us uh, you'll find out that we have a week of prayer before the holidays, before the fall holidays and a week of prayer um, before the spring holidays that's what we feel we need to do in order to be prepared for what God wants to do with us during those special holidays. So the idea of preparation, you know, whether it's the month of Elul or whenever it is, is a good thing, right and proper. Uh, not so good is, is um, how tradition defines these holidays. Uh, that you have the 10 days of awe uh, because from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur, are how many days? Ten. 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 days, and that according to tradition, God opens the book of life, and they're left open for those period of ten days, and that um, a traditional Jew is expected to um, to fast, to to uh, uh, set things in order, and uh, do house cleaning. Uh, as far as their relationship with other people and then also do their um, house, house cleaning with uh, their relationship with, uh, with God. Again, that's also still positive. What what, is, what I find problematic then, of course, is, is the notion that at the end of Yom Kippur then God shuts the door and says, that's it. Um, that a person's fate for the coming year is determined um, on that day. <coughs> uh, and and the, the expression for it is Ne'ilah. it comes from the shutting of the gates of the temple, shutting of the gates of heaven. Um, so, uh, again, the need for sifting. Um, so, yes, we obviously celebrate uh, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur we uh, we find the reasons for them in scripture rather than in tradition. So, repenting to come back to this theme repenting is something that is necessary uh, because a person needs to receive God's forgiveness. And by the way, slichot in particular penitential prayers are based on the notion of We sinned corporately. Israel as a nation sinned. God was obligated to punish us uh, and as a result of that all kinds of things happened to us um, and we know that it was at least partially caused by our sin and so we ask for God's forgiveness and restoration. Good stuff. So um, this is kind of a weaving of both the Tradition and and now I'm, I'm going to take some time to park on Scripture uh, exclusively. So uh, you may have heard people talk about forgiveness in the Tanakh in the Old Testament. By the way, does everybody know what Tanakh stands for? Yes. yes. you don't. Torah, Neviim, Ketuvim. Uh, The Torah, the prophets, and the writings, such as historical books. So, uh, that's kind of our preferred lingo. So, um, what you may have heard, some people um, who are believers in the church would say something like that in the Old Testament, you really didn't have genuine forgiveness And this is I believe a um, an explanation or or a tradition that's fading but it, it's it, it was more it's very strong when I was growing up and the notion basically was that when a person brought a sacrifice an animal sacrifice uh, to the temple or the tabernacle um, that what actually happened is that um he or she were not really forgiven but their sin was covered so that God wouldn't see it and and wouldn't wouldn't um uh be angry. It was kind of a, a, a appeasing God. Is that
1: a Jewish tradition?
2: No, no, no talk about the church now. I moved I moved from Jewish tradition <laughs> to the church. And then I'll come to scripture. Okay. That help? Yes. All right um and and i've I've heard that a whole bunch of times um in fact that's you know when you take time to go through your notes, you'll find uh one of the people actually saying that. Another form of that is that uh, there was some value uh in the animal sacrifices, but the the, the full package didn't really come about until Yeshua came now. How do you digest that? Well, people, people then draw our attention to Hebrews uh, chapter 9 and chapter 10. So let's look at a couple of verses here. Uh, 14 and 14. Well, this is a great quote, Floyd. Blessings upon you. All right. Um, Hebrews, let's look at that. And where's my computer Well, Hebrews 9, excuse me. Hebrews 9, 9 and 10, 4. I, I make it. So who is? Linda, you look like you're going to read that.
1: Mm-hmm. Um Do you want me to start in 8? Yeah. Okay. Should I just? Okay. And uh, then the fourteen. 10-4 fourteen. Ten four, rather. Ten
2: four. Right. So it is impossible for the lot of four and goats to take away sin. Okay. So you have a couple of fairly strong statements by the writer of the book of Hebrews. Okay? One of them says that the animal sacrifices could not perfect the conscience of the individual who brought the animal sacrifice. Okay? How did that work? Well, you would, if, if, if this was the tabernacle or the temple, you would bring the animal, you would lay your hands on the animal. If this was a, uh, uh, a sin offering, you lay your hands on the animal, you confess your sin uh, before the priest who is standing here and, and the animal would be killed and that would be the principle of life for life. In other words uh, you, w- when you confess your sin you say I am worthy of death because of my sin and in my place this animal is going to die and, and, and this is God's means of providing forgiveness and cleansing for me. I'm not sure
1: this is the right place but there's a
2: Okay, that's a $64,000 question, (laughs) which we may cover a little bit. Okay, Uh, if we don't, then by all means, well, you know what? I'll give you a a quick response. Uh, Atonement. Uh, Forgiveness is part of atonement. And atonement is a package deal, or to use another metaphor, it's like a um, multifaceted diamond that, yes, includes forgiveness. It includes reconciliation with God. It, it includes healing. It includes all kinds of things. Um, in the New Testament, it also includes victory over, over darkness. So forgiveness is is part of it.
1: Okay. reason I ask is because I'm thinking of David when he sinned. His confession, God gave him,
2: You ask a good, another good question. Uh, the the um, majority of cases, ninety-five percent cases, where you have atonement taking place, it was with an animal sacrifice. There were other uh, rare instances where atonement takes place, and God forgives an individual, forgives the nation without an animal sacrifice. But but the general principle is. The, the life of the flesh is in the blood and I've given it to you as atonement for the soul in Leviticus 17:11. 11 so uh, what the writer of Hebrews and again remember who is the writer of Hebrews talking to he's talking to, to Jewish believers who were in all likelihood very committed to uh, to a Jewish uh, tradition uh, Torah lifestyle, and possibly we're being drawn away from a simple minded approach, simple minded commitment to Yeshua. Uh, so, what the writer is saying is look, the animal sacrifices uh, functioned, but they didn't do the whole job. Okay, they functioned in that there was forgiveness. And you sinned, you brought, you committed one sin, you brought an animal that. Took care of the one sin, but think of the logistics <laughs> and mechanics of it. That if you lived way up near the Lebanese border, and, and you had to travel to Jerusalem, which was a couple of days away, that on the way you you possibly kicked the dog, or or uh, yelled at your wife, or committed some other sin to kind of compound it. So by the time you got the the sin taken care of, the one sin, then you came back you had a bunch of other sins. You know what I'm saying? You don't know what I'm saying. Yeah. All right? So, you know, think think of, of, of your own life. You know, you, you someone cuts in front of you, flips you off and, and you want to do likewise and get behind them. And not you guys. Uh, <laughs> not right. and, uh, and then you repent and then something else happens. So you, you get the drift. So, what the writer is saying simply is that um, the animal sacrifices didn't complete the job. They, they didn't make you feel like everything was taken care of. The conscience. Okay. Uh, chapter 10, verse 4 is a little bit more complicated, but it basically uh, simply means that the animal sacrifices could not do a final job of taking care of all the sins. They function effectively, <clears throat> but we're limited. Okay? Uh, uh, chapter 9, verse 22. Linda, would you read that? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> So, you know, the folks that par for these two verses then forget 9.22, which is very clear, that you have to have bloodshed in order to have forgiveness of sins. But Floyd had a question first. Well, I mean, you, saying it couldn't do the complete job, my gosh, there's not enough animals to sacrifice. Correct. Right. <laughs> yeah. and, and so the, the writer is not saying that that what took place in the temple was worth, as he's saying, it served a purpose, but it was limited. Yeah, Karen.
1: The only way I can see Paul saying this is because Yeshua died.
2: Um, amplifying.
1: Well, like Floyd just said, um, God said that if they killed animals in the temple, he was satisfied. Now Yeshua has died and given his blood and so Paul can write this now.
2: But I don't think he could have written it before Yeshua. Died. No, no. In other words, uh, the writer of the Hebrews, and, and I I'm I'm not convinced it was Paul. The writer of Hebrews is simply saying that with Yeshua you have the complete package. Yeah.
3: Well wasn't it wasn't it because the, the temple the temple and the sacrifices that were here are caught. Of what is to come it's the animals, and the sacrifices were like in verse 23, which goes down below it. It was necessary then for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified through its blood. They're not what the heavenly things are; they're copies of them. And so it was when Christ didn't enter into the temple, he entered into the entered into heaven, and that's why it's a di- it's it's the fulfillment. It's not a copy of. It. Is that? You, where I'm going.
2: Yeah, and at some point you kind of launch into into the stratosphere with, with some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And and uh, the point of, of the writer of Hebrews is to, to to simply say, look, what we had before was good stuff. What we have now is, is superior. Right. Because it's able to to not only forgive us and cleanse us outwardly and forgive us for the one, but also it goes deep. Yes, sir.
3: I think a point uh, is what it says in uh, 25. Further, he did not enter heaven to offer himself over and over again, like Lacon Uh Hargadol, who entered the holy place year after year. I think that uh, kind of explains why it is a superior once and for all.
2: Right. It's Yeah, it's, it's one of the main reasons why Yeshua's offering is superior because it wasn't just, it, it, it wasn't over and over again. There are a number of other reasons why what Yeshua brought is superior. Yeah, Rabbi David. Do you think, I think you
0: started off by talking about how the traditional church maybe looks at sin and Here, obviously, the focus, which we talk about superior, better, and all this, and, and I think what happens is that we do that with the, with the kind of implying that the prior was, was nothing. I think this verse here in twenty two. The point is, this is talking about blood. The point right. is according to the Torah, blood's the to deal, and that's, that's what it's required. Right. If it weren't for that, forget this superior. None of that would mean anything. That's right. Kind of the point.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um. the the people in the Tanakh function according to what God had given them and with the coming of Yeshua you have the complete package. Okay, uh, back to forgiveness Um, you have words for forgiveness in the Tanakh appear about 40 times. That's a lot of times. Uh, In the Old Testament that speak about forgiveness and by the way Forgiveness, uh, there are a couple of words. One is NASA. Uh, and the other one is Salach, from which we get Slichot. And that
1: is the mnemonic device to remember what NASA means NASA lift off rockets. <laughs> <laughs> Did you catch that? NASA and NASA. One <laughs> <laughs> well, Right,
2: well, NASA. 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 <laughs> well uh, we were uh, we come from different sides of the ocean yes. <laughs> all right uh NASA has the idea of either lifting or taking away okay so it's 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 a fairly broad word uh, that can mean carrying or lifting away, but when it comes to atonement, it has to do with the notion that God lifts and carries away the sin. That's what forgiveness is. So, that obviously means that it's not a pretend kind of thing under the animal sacrifices, but rather, it's serious business. God actually does that. And we'll look at a couple of verses. Salah. Uh, simply means to forgive and it's a word that's only used in reference to God. Okay? Why? Because um, this especially speaks about the character of who God is. God is a forgiving God. Um, And and this is something I I, I want to park on for, for a while. You know, we have such cockamamie ideas of who God is. You know? Uh, Things go badly well. God punished me because I I wasn't uh, doing what I was supposed to be doing. And besides, he's kind of mean to begin with. And if I'm having fun, he's going to look down and say, No, 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 no. no. We've got to cut it out. Uh, we, We forget. We forget the fact that uh, what defines who God is is his desire to bring about, and this is a related word, shalom, is to bring about shalom, which is uh, peace, wholeness, and completion. And, and I, at least I find it fascinating that uh, in the Old Testament you have 40 references to forgiveness, why? Again, it emphasizes who God is. Now, I want to look at a couple of verses. Um, first of all, in Exodus um, 32, and then um, Exodus 34, and then also in Numbers 14. So, let's uh, first of all start and Mr. Zims. Are you going to read for us? Uh spectacles, okay, um, all right, let's see, Exodus 32, well, before we get to 34, 9, um, Yeah. Who said that? Steve? Yeah. Did you read that? Yeah, 349. No, 32. 32. (laughs) Okay. Then Moses turned to Adonai and said, Alas, these people have sinned greatly, and they have got their gold. Yet now, please forgive their sins. But if not, please blot me out of your book that you have written." Okay. And the context here is, of course, okay and um, Moses is asking God for that what something Um, and uh, so let's turn then to 34 verse 9 and you have forgiveness. Now back up to uh, verse 4, 5, 6, and 7. think about the context. I mean, I I know we say, well, golden calf, all right. Think about the implications of the golden calf. What had happened before the golden calf? Okay. God came down on the mountain. and, And there was fire and there was smoke and there was blowing the shofar Spectacular stuff. And then a short spell later, the, the, the people get, uh, in Jewish we, we say uh pins and needles. They get restless. And, and they, they they get, plain English, they get stupid. <laughs> and and uh, they say, Make us gods, you know, who brought us out of Egypt. It's like, hello, do you have any brains? You, you've seen, you've seen the the ten the ten plagues. You've seen God coming down, and then forty a month and a half later, you're saying, uh, "We want some visible uh, uh, something that that uh, we're going to worship as the one who brought us out of Egypt." And you say, "What's the matter to you? <laughs> <laughs> and and so it was. It was foolish, but remember that part of the deal when when they did these things, it wasn't just you know singing uh, songs and and worshiping the, the greatness of of the calf. It was basically an orgy, and people were whacked out of their minds. And so for God, this represented mm-hmm. nothing less than than prostitution. In fact, the word prostitute uh, appears a whole bunch of times in reference to Israel following false gods. Yeah, Mary. I'm just thinking that God was proving his faith They did, they did. Uh, by the way, somewhat like what what we do. Um, and uh, Moses sees God's anger, uh, which is incredible. But we have to understand, just like human emotion, human anger, anger typically represents hurt mm-hmm. and pain. And and God's anger represents. His his broken heart that he that he was um, that he was cheated on by by the nation of Israel so that happened and yet here you have one of the greatest revelations of God in throughout Scripture think about it um, and and yes it is for Moses but it's not only for Moses understand that the the picture that's taking place here is God is saying, Moses, this is who I am. I want you to tell the people, this is who I am. And this is after, very shortly after, the golden calf episode. So God tucks Moses uh, behind the rock because there's no way Moses can can see uh, God's full bore uh, glory and live then he zips in front of him, and he proclaims all these names. Well, they're not names; they're not merely names. They are descriptions of God's character. This is who I am, Moses. And think about it. You know, in human in a human relationship where where there's been a significant break between, say, a husband and wife, and then all of a sudden that there's that one of one of them decides to open up their heart and say here I am I'm vulnerable this is me that's basically what God is doing the the Lord the Lord merciful compassionate um, and forgiving in other words when the Lord presents himself uh, to Moses to communicate to the people of Israel after the golden calf he doesn't say uh, you mess with me and I kill you that's not the go-to position. The go-to position is I am delighted to, to be able to forgive. And so uh, the notion that this wasn't complete until the coming of Yeshua uh, God forgave. Mm-hmm. And Think about the application. If God did not forgive Israel at that point what would he have done if he had not forgiven Israel?
1: Israel. He would
2: have killed them. He would have obliterated the nation. (laughs) So the fact that he didn't means that he had forgiven the nation of Israel.
3: I think in the church, the confusion is they they think of forgiveness and separating You're, there's there's a, there's a forgiveness there's a there's a pardon um, for the for the old testament for the old testament believers they were forgiven but w- but the church was never really sure in terms of what would happen to those that died prior that was the way it was always explained for, kind of from the pulpit we're not real sure what happens to people that died before Yeshua came after Yeshua came then we've got that all figured out but prior they're like well, I don't know like you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And so, which to me is illogical. So there has to be there has to be continuity. God is never is doesn't change. Just right. con- there has to be continuity. Right. So to coming back to what you were saying, which I totally agree, is that it had to have been. It, otherwise, if the blood was not was not the sacrifice, and if that did not take place, then, then God would be changing. And God says, "I am." not.
1: Did they teach
3: that Yeshua went down into hell? Yeah, the, the the big the big thing, and this is a segue. I'm
1: sorry, get <laughs> can, can we leave the Apostles' Creed for another another <laughs>
2: discussion? Uh, by all, uh, with all due respect, Karen, uh, we, we want to get back on track. Um, that position that you described is not only inconsistent logically, it's also unscriptural. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because, because the writer of Hebrews in chapter 11 makes it very clear mm-hmm. that that the folks who lived before Yeshua are yeah. in the same place that we are. Yeah.
1: yeah. That's right. why I teach you used to go church. I never heard that word.
2: You, you know, it's it's uh, the, the description was exactly where she was going. That was how it took place. Then it's it yeah, and, and so yeah, so yes. The what you see what you see throughout Scripture is a principle called progressive revelation. That as time goes on, the Lord kind of un- rolls rolls the the Torah, and and more and more and more, so that you get more stuff here than you did back here. Okay, um, And so yes, you can understand that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, David, didn't know as much about heaven and eternal life as we do. However, Scripture is very emphatic about the fact that they went ahead of us. Right? They, they, they were the, uh, they're the cheerleaders who, who finished the race, are sitting waiting for us to finish. <laughs> Um, and so um, I just want to make sure you're clear. that was not
3: my position. I'm just telling you that was the position of this.
2: Yeah, and so so my point in all of this is that you really cannot understand God's relationship with Israel. If you don't understand that God had forgiven right. the nation not only then, but also other times, uh, why? Because this is who He is. Now, to, to draw a, a major application, when you think about this, that should, that should really give a great deal of comfort to us. Well, it does for me. Because um, there are all kinds of times when, when I think something and I think, oh boy, where did that garbage come from? Or I say something and and I uh, want to beat myself up because I realized it wasn't exactly the Word of God. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, and yet, I, I don't, I don't uh, flagellate myself in black and blue. Why? Because I know who God is. That, that, you know, that is what determines the sanity and the basis for life. And we see that over and over and over and over again with the nation of Israel. Um, Another example, well, I guess we better finish. I know Rabbi David is trying to keep me honest. Um, So another source of application is that one reason why we participate in these traditions is we want to identify with the people. Why? Because uh, God has called us to be um, his representatives to the nation of Israel, and to all nations, but it is particularly to the nation of Israel. And we cannot do that without identifying, and to if we identify with, with what is taking place during the season, then we will be able to intercede as an intercessor, as someone who has to be able to identify with the people that, that they intercede for. Because <coughs> otherwise they're over here looking down instead of saying, no, I I am part of what's what's taking place. And so that's why we do what we do because the Lord has called us to be part of the community and, and to be part of his redemptive work in this community. So There's a lot of stuff that that we probably didn't cover but I just uh, wanted to give you an overview, an overview and then uh, next Wednesday uh, Rabbi David will continue this. And I I, I just want to encourage you um, to ask the Lord to show you how to prepare for the holidays. Uh, And I'm not talking about You know, necessarily anything. First of all, the matter of the heart. Say, Lord, how do you want me to be prepared in the heart for what you want to do during these holidays? Um, I believe this Shabbat we will have the schedule of all the uh, special events and special holidays. And I would like to encourage you to take those, put them in, in your Bible, and and just prayerfully consider uh, what the Lord wants to do in you and through you during this season. All right, uh, uh, David, would you finish for us, sir? Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to, to
0: look into your word, into, into the idea and concepts of forgiveness and atonement, and to see that you were consistent throughout your word, Lord. And just ask that you would help each one of us to prepare